<sighs> okay, here we go. We all know that medical science has come up with more than a few ways to treat high blood pressure, which is great. But to what extent can we simply lower our blood pressure by exercising or moving our bodies more? Well, that's what we're going to get into in this episode. My name is Brock Armstrong. Welcome to Second Wind Fitness. But before we get started... As you've probably noticed, this podcast is no longer in production, but there are so many people who are still listening to each episode and reaching out to me for advice and help and support that I've decided to keep the dream and this podcast alive, which means I'm paying a few maintenance fees out of my pocket. And I don't mean to make this sound like a woe is me kind of affair, because it is indeed a pleasure to have created something that is being appreciated. But... If you felt so inclined, you could go to brockarmstrong.com slash coffee to, yes, as it sounds, buy me a virtual coffee. And since coffee is easily my biggest vice, I'm what you would call a coffee snob, if you buy me a coffee, I can pay my hosting fees with all the coffee money that I save. So win-win situation here. So go to brockarmstrong.com coffee and help keep this podcast and my fancy coffee habit alive. That's brockarmstrong.com coffee. A while ago, the American Heart Association adjusted the measuring stick for what they considered to be a healthy blood pressure. As of now, high blood pressure is defined as 130 over 80 millimeters of mercury or greater. That means a bunch of us probably need to be a little more diligent than we were a few years ago when the measurement was 140 over 90. Now, these new recommendations are a direct response to the results of a large, federally funded study called SPRINT that was published in 2015 in the New England Journal of Medicine, which found that, and I quote, Targeting a systolic blood pressure of less than 120 mm Hg as compared with less than 140 mm Hg resulted in lower rates of fatal and non-fatal major cardiovascular events and deaths from any cause. Which <laughs> sounds like something we all want to avoid. So... Now that you're aware of this, you may be inclined to, well, I don't know, rush off and talk to your doctor about whether X, Y, or Z medication is right for you. But first, I'd encourage you to consider getting active. Which leads us to the question, can exercise lower blood pressure? Well, first, if your heart can take it easy and not work as hard to pump all the life-giving blood, then the force on your arteries will decrease, and that, in turn, will lower your blood pressure. Now, we all know that consistent physical activity can make your heart stronger, so it follows that a stronger heart muscle will pump your blood with less effort. Now, second... Other parts of your body can assist in a thing called venous return, which is a more powerful phenomenon called the calf muscle pump. Now, as biomechanist Katie Bowman wrote, and again I quote, Veins are often embedded within muscle. In short, when the calf muscle repeatedly contracts, short, long, short, long, the tense, relax, tense, relax, pumping action that surrounds the veins effectively propels the blood from the legs. 
Or another way of saying this is calves are like extra tiny hearts stored at the bottom of your body that work when you want them to. And they are called calf hearts. And now back to me again. These extra hearts can lead to lower blood pressure if we move our muscles enough to make their contribution meaningful anyway. Now, third, we've known for a long time that simply getting more movement into your day can lower your systolic blood pressure, which is the top number of the reading, by about 4 to 9 millimeters of mercury. And that is actually as good as some of the most popular blood pressure medications. And now, new research from 2020 out of the University of Milan in Italy showed that a 12-week stretching regimen improved blood flow, lowered blood pressure, and decreased the stiffness of arteries. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this one because it's kind of cool. The researchers actually recruited about 40 men and 40 women for the study and divided them into three groups. One group did several leg, ankle, and foot stretches five times a week for 40 minutes. Then the other group just stretched on one side of their body. Now, that's important. They did it on one side of their body for the same amount of time. The third group, well, they didn't stretch at all. And when the study ended at 12 weeks, those in the stretching groups significantly improved the health of their blood vessels. Specifically, their arteries were much less stiff and function of their blood vessels got better. Now, the study participants did a form of stretching called passive stretching, which means they used stretch bands and their own body weight and gravity to get a good stretch. Now, this type of movement can actually be easily done at home, which is good news. And according to the study authors, and I quote again, Improvement in blood pressure, arterial stiffness, and vascular function was noted in the arteries of the body parts directly and not directly involved in the passive stretching of the lower limbs. So what is cool about that is even if you don't stretch every part of your body every single session, your blood flowing parts still get the benefit. Now, another bonus is that regularly getting your stretch or getting your sweat on can help you maintain a healthy body weight and a healthy ratio of muscle to fat, which is a darn good way to keep your blood pressure under wraps. Now, if you happen to be one of the lucky ones with blood pressure in the desirable range, even after the change of guidelines, well, regular workouts can still help prevent your blood pressure from getting out of control as you age. Now, What's the catch here? Well, the key is to exercise regularly and to keep it up. The Mayo Clinic says that it takes about three months of regular workouts to see a meaningful change in Lowe's blood pressure numbers, and those changes only last as long as you keep that gym membership, either actual or metaphorical gym membership, active and actually doing the exercise. Now, okay, how often do you need to exercise? Now, the good news is that you do not have to spend hours and hours in the gym every single day. All you need to do is simply get out there and add some moderate physical activities to your day. And we're not talking about anything heroic here either. For most of you fit folks out there, this will be a literal brisk walk in the park because you can walk, you can jog, you can cycle, you can swim, you can mow the lawn or shovel the walk or rake the leaves or dance in the living room like no one's watching or any combination of the above. 
The only stipulation that the Department of Health and Human Services recommends is that you aim for at least 30 minutes of aerobic activity most days of the week. Easy enough, right? Well, I mean, if you can't see yourself doing that much exercise, at least all at once, don't forget about the idea of movement snacks that I bring up on this podcast on a pretty regular basis. That's when you just sort of break off and do one to five minutes of movement several times during the day instead of trying to do all 30 minutes at one time. And remember that even if you don't want to change your clothes or do anything fancy, like go to a yoga studio, you can always simply just go for a freaking walk. <laughs> Sorry to put it that way. All right, so how hard do you need to exercise? Well, in a study on how exercise intensity affects blood pressure and heart rate on obese adolescents, after a six-month intervention, systolic, diastolic, and mean blood pressure decreased from both high and low-intensity workouts, but waist circumference, heart rate, and HRV which is heart rate variability, showed beneficial changes only in the high-intensity group. They concluded that aerobic exercise training set at a high intensity compared with the low intensity had some additional benefits on the abdominal obesity and cardiovascular health beyond those benefits that they saw in just blood pressure, which affected the low and the high-intensity groups. Then there was a second study in 2009 on exercise intensity on high blood pressure, and that showed that higher and lower intensity training reduced systolic blood pressure to a similar extent, but the lower intensity does not alter ambulatory blood pressure. Only the higher intensity training affected the anthropometric characteristics of blood lipids in a beneficial way, which is a super fancy way of saying that it also improved body dimensions, such as weight, girth, and body fat composition, as well as cholesterol and triglycerides. So, as usual, I'd suggest doing both, high and low intensity. And it likely will not come as a surprise that I also suggest throwing in some good old-fashioned resistance training, which leads me to look at high blood pressure and weightlifting. But before we get into that, it's time to pay our membership fees. Do you like to shop on Amazon.com and enjoy supporting this podcast? You do? Well, have I got a deal for you. If you start your Amazon shopping adventure by going to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon, I will get a small percentage of the money that you spend. And the best part is that you don't pay anything extra. This all comes out of their pockets. Take that, Bezos. So next time you buy anything on Amazon, go to brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon and shop while also supporting this podcast. I truly thank you for being a listener and for your support. That's brockarmstrong.com slash Amazon. Now, one quick note about weight training and blood pressure. Yes, lifting heavy weights can cause a surprising but temporary increase in blood pressure, depending on how much and how heavy you lift. But don't let this scare you. Weightlifting also bestows some super long-term benefits to your blood pressure that definitely outweigh those scary risks of that temporary spike. 
I have seen a lot of crazy stuff in the gym, but I've actually never seen anyone taking their blood pressure at the squat rack, so you'll just have to take my word on this one. Weightlifting can also improve other aspects of your cardiovascular health that will certainly reduce your overall risk. In fact, the Department of Health and Human Services recommends incorporating strength training exercises of all types into your workout regimen, and to do that a couple of times a week. Now, if you need some help getting started on your resistance training regimen, check out some of the past podcast episodes that I've done, and definitely check out my YouTube channel at brockarmstrong.com YouTube. But you know what? A good place to start would be with the protocol that's called 5x5. Now, this workout requires a gym or at least access to some resistance bands or some barbells or some dumbbells. And you know what? It's quite simple. This is what you do. With as heavy a weight as you can lift with good form at least five times, you do five sets of five reps of these five exercises. Bench press, deadlift, back squat, shoulder press, and row, either seated or bent over. And again, you just do those five exercises five times through with five reps of each. Now for some added benefits, like turning this into a bit of a cardio workout, make sure during the 90 to 120 seconds that you'll take to recover between each set that you perform some easy mobility exercises, some core exercises, or even some sun salutations for you yoga fans out there. And I'd suggest doing this 5x5 workout twice per week. And make sure if you get way too sore from doing it that you reduce the weights next time you do it, or if you find that you didn't really challenge yourself too hard, increase the weights next time. And it doesn't matter if you're lifting 5 pounds or 50 pounds, just do what is right for you so you can get through the 5 sets of 5 reps of those 5 exercises. Now, while I was researching this topic, I found some other really interesting ways to lower your blood pressure, so let's get into those. There was a study published in the National Library of Medicine that showed that meditation techniques appear to produce small yet meaningful reductions in blood pressure either as a monotherapy or in conjunction with traditional pharmacotherapy. And simply being active in the great outdoors, or what is called green exercise, has also been shown to lower blood pressure. Which, actually, these two things combined are the two reasons that I go for a walk on the beach while practicing mindful breathing techniques pretty much every single morning before I go for a nice cold water swim. Now also, two studies conducted at Canada's McMaster University showed that hand grip exercises can make blood vessels more flexible and can improve blood vessel function and, in turn, lower high blood pressure. Now this is kind of cool. The subjects in the isometric hand grip study performed four two-minute isometric hand grip squeezes with a three-minute rest in between those contractions. Now, they specified that the intensity of the contractions should be equal to 30% of the subject's maximum squeezing effort. So you're not like really clenching, you're just giving them a pretty gentle clench. Now, the subjects performed the isometric exercises three times per week for a total of eight weeks. Then, over in another part of the study, study number two, they performed four contractions of 50% of their maximum squeezing. So these guys were squeezing a little bit more and held it for 45 seconds, followed by a one-minute rest. Study two went on for five days per week for five weeks. 
Now, in the end, study one, all eight participants had a significant decline in both systolic and diastolic resting blood pressure. Then in study number two, the subjects experienced significant mean declines in resting systolic and diastolic pressures, but not quite as significantly as in study one, which is interesting because they were the ones who were squeezing harder. Study one was only squeezing at 30% of their maximum. So anyway, these hand grip workouts have to be used for five to eight weeks to get any good results. So don't do it twice and think you're going to improve your blood pressure. You have to do this consistently and are not, I repeat, are not a substitute for your regular aerobic exercise, whether it be high or low intensity. So while they can lower some people's blood pressure, systolic blood pressure specifically, people who fall in the more serious range of blood pressure are still advised to do some brisk walking, some swimming, some cycling, or other activities that strengthen your heart, your lungs, and your bones. And you know what? This probably won't come as a surprise to you if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, but I would say why not just do both? just to be safe and to be a more well-rounded mover on this planet. Now, finally, you might be listening to this podcast thinking, well, should I actually be worried about this? Should I worry about these blood pressure guidelines? Well, you know what? I'm not a doctor, and I'll certainly not give you any medical advice. But I am a good reader, and if you get beyond the frightening headlines that came along with these new guidelines you'll see that they actually said that they are, and I quote, for anyone with a significant risk of heart attack and stroke. That means that this is not a suggestion across the board for every single member of the general public. And that's important to consider, seeing as anyone who previously had a significant risk is probably already being monitored closely and advised to lower their blood pressure in many different ways even if they fell close to the new 130 over 80 measurement. So don't let the headlines themselves actually raise your blood pressure. Also, for that sprint study that I talked about earlier, where they based these new guidelines off of, blood pressure results were averaged between three separate measurements that were taken after five minutes of quietly sitting in a room. Now, I don't know about you, but when the heck was the last time your blood pressure was measured like that? In the real world, a blood pressure of 130 would probably only show up, for me anyway, after I did sit in a room quietly relaxing. Usually my blood pressure would be closer to 150 if I'm in a busy doctor's office with the doctor hurrying in and out and I drove there in traffic or ran up the street to get to the appointment on time. So, you know, again, I'm not poo-pooing these recommendations. After all, High blood pressure is second right behind smoking as a preventable cause of heart attacks and strokes. But what I am saying is that reading the fine print is important, especially when the chief recommendation is to, and again, one more time, I will quote, take more drugs or increase the dosages. You don't have to be some kind of crazy conspiracy theorist that's against Western medicine to balk at that statement, especially when we know that we have alternatives like diet, exercise, meditation, stretching, and other stress relief interventions to consider first or at least alongside the medical ones. So for now, I will see you at the beach, gazing out at the horizon and doing some nice deep breathing before I go and do my low to high intensity aerobic exercise. <laughs> All right. My name is Brock Armstrong. Thanks for listening to Second Wind Fitness. <laughs>